Welcome to the Collins Hill Pulpit Podcast, a ministry of Collins Hill Baptist Church of Lawrenceville, Georgia. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you Bible messages that are relevant to the day and age in which we live. These messages have been preached from the pulpit of Collins Hill Baptist Church in recent days. Now, here is today's message. It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now I want you to take your Bible and go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter number 5. Last week we saw Genesis chapter uh, 4 and its record of Cain and Abel. Today we're looking at Genesis chapter 5 and the record that we have of Enoch. Enoch. I, I, I fail to remember if I mentioned that that is the name of the man that we're looking at. But the man that we're looking at today is Enoch. Genesis chapter 5, look here at verse number 21. The Bible says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. So, He was 65 years old when he had his first child. How many of you are glad that you were not 65 years old when you had your first child? Okay, okay. Verse 22, and Enoch walked with God. I underline that if you're in the habit of marking your Bible, I encourage you to underline that. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. We see here in our text, really we have two texts. We're going to go to a couple other places today. But we'll really camp out in Hebrews chapter 11 for the message today. But we find a man that walked with God. I tell you what, I know for myself, I want to walk with God. I want others to be able to look at me and say, he walks with God. I want God to be able to look at me and say, he walks with me. And I know that's what you desire for yourself because you wouldn't be here today if you didn't desire to walk with the Lord. You wouldn't have made the effort to come if you said, well, I don't really want to know God anymore. I don't really want to hear preaching. I don't want to to fellowship with others. I don't want to get closer to the Lord. If you didn't want to do that, you wouldn't be here today. But we see that here this man... Named Enoch, he walked with God. I want us to look at three truths today about this man Enoch and the faith that he had. The faith that we have described for us. Some aspects of his faith. But we see that it is a walking faith. It wasn't a faith that he stood still in. It was a faith that he walked in. He walked in faith. I want us to explore this today. Before we do that, let's pray. And then we'll get here into the outline Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. Father, I pray you'd hide me behind the cross, and I pray that I would do nothing but preach Christ today. Father, we know that if we lift up Christ, you will draw men, all men, unto yourself. And Father, we pray that we do that today. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want you to notice here is faith's fellowship. Faith's fellowship. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. He had fellowship with God. 
The Word of God makes it plain to us that Enoch walked with the Lord. He mentions Enoch walked with God twice in Genesis chapter 5. The Lord in His inspired Word is emphasizing the truth that Enoch walked with Him. In all reality, the Christian walk, the Christian life is a life, is a walk of faith. The Bible makes it clear in verse 1 that, in verse 3 of Hebrews 11, that, that we don't see what we have faith in. If it was sight, it wouldn't be faith. If we could see what we're looking at, if we could see what the future had, then it wouldn't be faith because we would know what would happen. Faith is what is not seen. Faith is in the unseen. You and I, we do not see God, but we can walk with Him. And how do we walk with Him? How do we have fellowship with Him? Well, by faith. And the life of a Christian, it is a walk, it is a life of faith. You and I cannot walk with God if we do not have faith. We, we cannot walk with the Lord if we do not have faith. We'll see later that walking faith and walking by faith is pleasing to God. But here we see the greatest relationship a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl could ever have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and I even mean beyond salvation. I'm talking about our walk, our fellowship with God. Just notice a couple things with me here first. This isn't on your handout. This isn't in your outline, but I just... As we walk through here, I want you to notice a couple things. Back in Genesis chapter 5, a couple things that we, we want to notice here is that when Enoch started walking with God, he was 65 years old. When Enoch started to walk with God, he was 65 years old. Notice here in verse 21, And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years. So Enoch was 65 years old when he started, when he got saved. When he started walking with God, he was 65 years old. And for 300 years, he would walk with God. The second thing that we notice is where Enoch's walk took him. We see when he started walking with God, he was 65 years old. And then where it took him. The Bible says here in verse 24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The book of Hebrews tells us that he was translated. We'll look a little bit more at that in a moment. But Enoch, he was not, for God took him. He was raptured. He was taken out. Can I just tell you, by the way, that this is a great picture of the rapture of the church that will take place. As you know, if you're a student of your Bible, in Genesis chapter 6, what happens? What happens here on the earth? How many of you know? You can shout it out. What happened in Genesis 6? The flood. I think I heard that. The flood happened in Genesis 6. God's wrath was poured out on this earth. Well, where was Enoch when the, rapture or when the flood took place? Well, he was with God. He was raptured out prior to that wrath being poured out. And we know that the church of the living God will be called away, will be translated, will be raptured out. And then for seven years of the tribulation, God is going to pour out His wrath on this earth. Where will we be for that wrath? We won't be here. We'll be in heaven with God. And then after that time, we will come back with Him to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. And then, of course, the devil will be loosed for a season. 
And then the battle of Armageddon will take place. And then Christ will bind Satan and throw him into the lake of fire for all of eternity. And then we will live in the new heaven and the new earth with Jesus Christ for all of eternity and the rest of eternity. There's the book of Revelation summarized for you. But we see here that Enoch was a wonderful picture of what we would call the rapture of the church. What the Bible teaches as the rapture, the translation of the church. Now, where did his walk take him? It took him to heaven. The word translated, it means to carry over. It means to take from one to another. Each person who is saved will be translated. We will be translated by death or by the rapture. We will be carried over. From this life to the next life, we will be translated, we'll be carried over. Enoch did not see death, he was translated. You and I, if the Lord comes back, if he raptures his church, we will not see death. We will be carried over. But even if we do see death, we will still be carried over. We'll be carried over into the presence of God. And I'm thankful and I'm looking forward to that day where I will see God. But I want you to notice something else here as well is that our translation, the translation of our lives, of our soul into, the, into eternity, it's not just a future event that we look forward to. In fact, the day that you and I were saved, we were translated. We were carried over. You say, what do you mean? Well, I want you to notice this verse. The Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 13, you don't have to flip there unless you'd like to. But if we're saved, according to Colossians 1 verse 13... We have been translated, that word's used, translated from the power of darkness to the kingdom of His dear Son. The moment that we got saved, we lived in darkness. We lived in death. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But when we got saved, we were translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. And when we're saved, we have been translated, our soul has been translated into life. Into the life that Jesus Christ has for us. His righteousness covers us. We've been carried over. We're no longer living in the darkness of the power of Satan, but we live in the kingdom of His dear Son. It's not just a future event, but it took place the moment that we were saved. The Bible says... In John chapter 5, verse 24, that when we got saved, we were passed from death unto life. That word passed unto, it's very similar to what we find here. We were carried over. The moment that you and I got saved, we were carried from death to life. We were carried from the death that was brought upon us from our sin unto life. And that life is brought by Jesus Christ. So our translation is not just a future event. We don't, look we don't just look forward to our translation, to, our, to the rapture, to being carried over into eternity. No, we can live like we have been translated. Why? Because we have been. We have been changed. We have been given life. We live not as just, oh, well, that's coming in the future. It is. But we have already passed from death into life. It doesn't mean that we're going to live for eternity right now in this flesh. But it means that we are as good as already there. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll look at it here in a minute. But Ephesians 2 says that we have been raised with Christ to sit in heavenly places. 
Friend, if you're saved, you're as good as in heaven already. I mean, you, you are as good as already there. All we're waiting on is for the Lord, for that last person to get saved and for him to rapture us out of here or for death to take place. When you get to heaven, it's not going to take God by surprise. When you get to heaven, he's not going to say, oh, you're here? What are you doing here? No, of course, death isn't going to surprise him. We know that our days are numbered, that that God has given us a specific amount of time to live. He knows when we're going to be born. He knows when we're going to die. He knows all of that. But we are already seated in the heavenly places. We're already seated with Christ in heaven because we are saved. Of course, we still live here, but we we should live like we're already there. Live with eternity in view. Live like we are seated in the heavenly places with Jesus Christ. Because the Bible teaches that we already are. As Christians, we don't just sit and wait for the coming translation. But we get to live like we already have been translated. We've been regenerated. We have been given new life. When Enoch got saved at age 65, he was as good as translated. Because when he put his faith in God, when he had faith in what God had promised, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when he had faith in that, he was given life. He was no longer dead, he was given life at age 65. And for 300 days, or for 300 years, rather, for 300 years, he walked with God. He lived in what had already happened to him on the inside. He lived like he was saved. He walked because of his faith. And we see that for us as as Christians today, we can fellowship and walk with God. We We can look back at that start date. And we can look back to not only the start date, but we can look at the time when we were saved. The time where where we trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we began to have fellowship and to walk with God. We can look back at that time. And we can say, okay, it started here, and I'm already as good as in heaven, and I'm just going to go ahead and walk with God as best as I can and as close as I can because I'm saved and I can have fellowship with Him, and we walk with Him in our lives. The Bible says... Not only that he fellowshiped with God, but that he, and, and it, we see where it got him. And it has been said before that the man who walks with God always gets to his destination. You see, Enoch was walking with God. He was saved. He was walking with God. And when he ended up in heaven, I say ended up because he just was translated. He didn't see death. God took him. He was caught away. He was walking with God. Where was he going? Well, it's the same place that you and I are going if you're saved. We walk with God here because we're going to walk with God for all of eternity. And the, Bible's, and, 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 and the Bible teaches us, and this quote goes to show, that when we walk with God, we will always reach our destination because our final destination is with God for all of eternity. And we can enjoy God while we're here. Now, I want us to explore a little bit about what it means to walk with God. We've noticed just some of the things by way of context of what it means to walk with God and what Enoch did where it started for him at age 65 and then where it took him, took him to heaven. 
But I want us to explore this meaning in this phrase, walk with God. I mean, I think it's okay to be a little elementary. I think it's okay to look just a little bit and say, okay, what does this even mean? What does it mean to walk with God? I want you to take your Bible to Amos chapter 3. The book of Amos chapter number 3. You may say, where is Amos? Well, if you, if you find the book of Amos, then you have gone past Joel, and you have gone past Hosea, and then you've gone past Daniel. So you go Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Revelation. Gone too far? The book of Amos, chapter number 3. If you have a Schofield Bible, it's page 936. Just trying to be a blessing to you. (laughs) Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says this. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? What does it mean to walk with God? What does it mean to have fellowship with God? It means to agree with God. It means to agree with God. It doesn't mean that God agrees with you. It means that you agree with God. What does it mean to walk with God? It means to agree with God. How can two walk together except they be agreed? If I were to have Brother Dan come up here and we were to link arms together... And we were to say, all right, we're going to go from this end of the stage to that end of the stage. Okay? And we were to say, all right, we're going to do this. Okay? Two are going to walk together. But Brother Dan wants to walk straight across. Shortest path between two points is a straight line. Okay? That's what he wants to do. But what I want to do is I want to go from there and I kind of want to walk all the way around the church and then we'll end up in the same spot. Well, the, the Bible references this. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can, can me and Brother Dan make it to the end of the stage from our starting point if we don't agree on how we're going to get there? Now, who is right? Who, who is right in getting from point A to point B? It's okay. You can say Brother Dan because Brother Dan is right. No, I don't know about that. Brother Dan would be right. That's how you get there. That's the best way to get there. So what do I have to do? I have to agree with Brother Dan. And not only that, but Brother Dan has to agree with me. If we're going to walk together, we have to be agreed. The same thing is with God. If we're going to walk together, who's right? Who is right in every aspect of our walk? God. Who's wrong? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can can I walk with God unless I agree with God? Lord, I don't know if that's the best way that that I should walk there. Lord, I know know to get to point A to point B, I understand that that, probably a straight line would be best. But, But let me tell you. Now, can I just stop right there? How many times have you ever tried to tell God some things that you thought he didn't already know? Lord, you just don't understand. See, I understand that you're telling me to walk from point A to point B in a straight line, but but you just don't understand. My family. 
Oh, let me tell you. But Lord, you just don't understand my workplace. Lord, you don't understand. I've got, I've got health challenges. Lord, I understand that you're telling me that this is the way that, that we need to walk. But can I give you an alternative option? Can, can we talk about it? Can we consider it? You see, God isn't going to, in order for us to walk with him, he's not going to say, oh, okay, you know, let's do it your way. No, if we want to walk with God, we have to agree with God. We just say, God, okay, your way is the best way. What you say about me, what you say about my sin, what you say about yourself, Lord, I agree with that. The moment that you agree with God is the moment that you start walking with God. Of course, our agreement with God starts at our salvation. You cannot be saved if you don't agree with God. You cannot be saved if you do not agree with God. Well, how do I agree with God? Well, you do what the Bible says. You say the same thing. You know, in fact, the word confess, that word confess in your Bible, when you see that word confess, I'll give you an example. Romans chapter 10, it tells us that we need to uh, confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart and we shall be saved. I paraphrase the verse a little bit. But to confess with our mouth, you know what that is? To say the same thing. If we're going to be saved, we've got to say the same thing that God has already said. God has already said that we're sinners. God has already said that He is the only, that Jesus Christ is the only way to, to have salvation. Jesus, God has already said that we cannot make it to heaven on our own. So what do we do? We confess, we agree, we say the same thing that He has already said. And then even beyond that, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible teaches us there in that verse, first of all, that 1 John was written to, to, to Christians. 1 John was written to people that were already saved. 1 John 1, 9 is not talking about our salvation. It's talking about our fellowship with God. When we sin, when we mess up, how can we have fellowship with God restored? How can we continue to walk with God? Well, we confess. We say the same thing. God, what have you said about this sin that I just committed? Well, you said that it was wrong, that it was wicked, that it needs to be repented of. God, I agree. I confess. I say the same thing. Do you realize that when it comes to your Christian walk, that when you, when you confess your sins to God, it's not just, Father, I confess that I did this. I confess that I did this. I confess that I did this. We could, we could be Catholics and go to a Catholic priest to do that. I confess this, I confess this, I confess this. But you know what God wants? He doesn't just want you to tell Him what you've done. He already knows it. He wants you to say the same thing that He says about your sin. In fact, I encourage you, the next time that you sin, the next time that I sin, because guess what? We're human. We're going to sin. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say things we ought not say. We're going to do things we ought not do. Instead of saying... Lord, I, I sinned. Say, Lord, I sinned. I agree with you what you say about this sin. It was wrong. I need you to forgive me for it. It's a sin that, that is worthy, to, that, that needs to be asked forgiveness of. You know what you've just done? You've confessed your sin. You have agreed with God. In order to walk with God in this life, we've got to agree with God. 
We've got to agree with him. What do we agree with him about? I want to give you three things here. Letters A, B, and C in your handout. What, what are some important things that we must agree with God about? First, we have to agree with God about ourselves. About ourselves. What does the Bible say about us? You ever wondered what other people say about you? That's a scary thought sometimes. But what does the Bible say about us? Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now as we look here at Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to find some interesting things about us. We're going to find a biography about who you and I are. The book of Ephesians, it really can be split in two parts. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Ephesians 1 through 3 talk about doctrine. Talk about what's right. Tells us all the things that are true. Ephesians 4, verse 6, it does the same thing. It tells us what's right and what's true, but it deals more with our practice. It deals more with, with how we live. 1 through 3 of Ephesians talks about our position. Chapters 4 through 6 talks about our practice. So Ephesians 2, what are we looking at? What, what is being talked about? We're talking about our position. Where, where we stand in Christ. Where we stand as a human being. Notice Ephesians chapter 2. We have to agree with God about ourselves. Notice what he says about us. And you... That's you, that's you, that's me. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in sin. So, what does the Bible say about us? What does the Bible say about ourselves? What does the Bible say about you? Well, before we were saved, and if you're here and you're not saved, the Bible gives us a biography of who we are. Either at one point or currently, you know your own spiritual state. We were at one point dead in our trespasses and sins against God. That, that, that's who we are. In, in, at our core, when we, were set, when we were born into this world, we were dead. Dead in our trespasses and sin against God. That's who we are. We have to agree with God about that. God, this is what you say about me, and, and God, I agree. If we want to walk with God, we've got to agree with God about ourselves. Lord, I am who you say I am. I am exactly what you say I am. We've got to agree with God about it. Second thing we've got to agree with God about is our sin. About our sin. Notice what the Bible says in verse 3 of Ephesians 2. Among whom also we all had our conversation, our actions, in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Before we were saved, before you were saved, before I was saved, we were by nature sinners. 
What does that mean? It means that for us to sin before we were saved, I want you to hear me. Before we were saved, it was in our nature to sin. It is natural for an unsaved person to sin. It's in our nature. When we're born, we are born with a sin nature. It is just natural for a lost person to sin. What is not natural? What is unnatural? Well, something that's unnatural is for a Christian to sin. Why? Because we've been given a new nature. We've been given a new beginning, a new start, a new life, a new heart. We've been giving, given all things new. We're a new creature. We're no longer by nature the children of wrath, but we're by nature the children of God. And it's not natural for a Christian to sin. But if we're going to walk with God, we've got to agree about our sin. We've got to agree about ourself. We've got to agree with what God has already said. And of course, these, these truths have parallels in salvation. Ephesians 2 is talking about our salvation. But we can make application to our walk with God. I mean, our walk with God starts at our salvation. And, and it continues throughout our lives. If we want to walk with God, we've got to agree about ourselves. We've got to agree about our sin. And we've got to agree about our Savior. Notice here in verse 4. End of verse 3 says, And we're by the nature children of wrath, even as others. Number 4, I love when God butts in. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, hath made us alive together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the day. I was six years old. I, I wasn't living in heinous sin. But I was dead in my trespasses and sins against God. And I'm thankful for that Sunday night. Where God raised me up. I'm thankful for that day where God, he, he took me by the hand. When I couldn't come to him, he came to me. He grabbed my hand and he raised me up. I'm thankful for the day that I agreed with God. About my sin, about myself. And I agreed with God about my Savior. That he was the one that would raise us up. He's the one that commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's the one that would save us. He's the one who came down and paid the penalty for our sin. He's the one that takes that nature of sin, forgives us of it, and puts in within us a new nature. The nature of himself. We have to agree with God about it. And I'm thankful for the day. Where on my knees, I agreed with God. I agreed with God about myself, about my sin, and about my Savior. And each and every one of us, if we want to walk with God, first of all, at our salvation, we have to agree with God. But beyond that, if we want to walk with Him in this life, we've got to agree with God. So we see, first of all here, faith's fellowship. Second thing I want you to notice is faith's testimony. Faith's Testimony. Look back with me at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, the Bible says, 
By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. Because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What was the testimony that Enoch had? The Bible tells us that he pleased God. I wonder, if I were to ask God, What's so-and-so's testimony before you? What would he say? If I were to ask God, God, how is my relationship with you? How is my walk with you? How is my faith in you and your, and your ability to provide? Would he say, I'm pleased? Or would he say, I'm not pleased? What would God say? If, they, if, if, if this verse right here were to say, by faith, and they were to put your name in, would the rest of this verse be true? Would the rest of this verse be true when it says that Enoch had the testimony that he pleased God? Can you put your name there? Can I tell you that I wish I could? And I do my very best to please God. I really do. But I fall short. I do. I mess up. We all do. But I wonder, could, could I look at this verse and say, you know, for before, before his death, before, his, before the rapture, Landon had this testimony that he pleased God. Can I just get really personal with you? Just really personal. You know, if I want to know what kind of Christian you are, I'm not going to ask myself what kind of Christian you are. If I want to know what kind of Christian you are, I'm not going to go ask your coworkers. If I want to know what kind of Christian you are, I'm not going to go ask the person that checks you out at the Walmart shopping line. I, I, I'm not going to ask you that. I'm not going to ask them that. You know who I'm going to ask? I'm going to ask your family. If you're married, I'm going to ask your spouse. What's their testimony? Are they the real deal? Because you know who you really are? Who you really are is who you are when nobody else is around. Who you really are is who you are when you're at home. You're not trying to impress anybody. It's just who you are. In that time, do you have this testimony? That you please God. Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch's testimony was before God and it was before man. Notice, first of all, Enoch's testimony before God. Notice, Enoch pleased God because he walked with God. You know, walking with God, walking by faith, equals pleasing God. Remember, you can't walk with God if you aren't agreeing with God. And if you're agreeing with God and if you're walking with God, then you are pleasing Him. Leonard Ravenhill once said, Smart men walked on the moon. Daring men walked on the ocean floor. But wise men walk with God. I wonder, do we walk with God? You know, as I was studying for this message, I mean... It was, 
It was convicting to myself to read this and say, God, what is my testimony before you? Not how does everybody else see me, but God, how do you see me? And I ask you the same question this morning. If you stood before God, would he say, I'm pleased? Or would he say, I haven't walked with you in 20 years. You know, the only reason, the only person that's hindering you walking with God is you. We'll see that explored here in just a moment. But we see his testimony before God. But notice letter B, his testimony before man. His testimony before man. Notice the Bible says that he was, he was not found. He was not found. Now the Bible teaches us that Enoch lived in the time before the flood. Okay? The Bible says that the generations before the flood were wicked and evil generations. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do do you think that the earth just became like that one day? Do you think one day it just woke up and man, everything was done, dead? No. What, What happened? It was a process. Little by little, little by little, sin became more accepted. Sin became more abundant. Generations came and went. And generations didn't teach their children about about the Lord. Generations didn't teach their children about faith. And what happened? It got to the point to where every thought and imagination of the heart of man was only evil continually. But in this generation, in this period of time, when, when it was getting to the point to where it was only evil continually... Guess who was walking with God? Enoch. You know, the outside circumstances do not dictate the inward walk with God. Outside circumstances do not dictate whether or not we can walk with God. Enoch lived in a a terrible time on this earth. But what did he do? He walked with God. In fact, the Bible tells us that before men... Enoch in Jude chapter 14, and Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. What was Enoch doing when he was living on this earth? He was preaching, and you know what he was saying? He was saying, hey, ungodly generation. Hey, wicked and perverse generation. God, he's coming back. The the Lord, he's coming. Enoch lived what he was preaching. Enoch was walking with God. He was living righteously before God. He was living a godly life. And everyone around him, notice the Bible tells us Jude, 15, or Jude 14 and 15, that they were ungodly, that they have committed ungodly, that their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners, Enoch walked with God in, an, in a godless society. Enoch was godly where, there were, where the uh, ungodly abounded. 
You and I have no excuse in this day and age to live an ungod or to live a godly life. That there's no reason why we can't live a godly life. Enoch lived a godly life, but where did it start? Where did his godly life start? It started by walking with God. You and I cannot live a godly life if we do not walk with God. If we do not agree with God, if we do not have that close fellowship with God, we cannot, we cannot live a godly life. We cannot. It's impossible. And it's impossible because the Bible tells us, number three, here under faith's fundamental, faith's fundamental, It is impossible to live a godly life. It is impossible to walk with God. It is impossible to do these things if you don't have a fundamental faith in God. Your faith in God does not start. Your faith faith in God does not start When you stand up and start preaching against the perverse nation in which we live. When does our faith in God start? When we get to the place where we're by ourselves. We sit down and we say, God, I agree with you. About myself, about my sin, about my Savior. Not only do I need to be saved, and you get saved. But then every single day from the point you get saved to the point that you die, you get to the same place where you say, God, I agree with you. Lord, help me walk with you today. Faith, it does not keep. What do do I mean by that? You you can't store up faith for the next week. You can't, you can't, it's just like sleep. You can't sleep for a week and then stay up for a week and be fine. You, You can't store it up. You cannot live today on yesterday's faith. You cannot live tomorrow on today's faith. You can't. It's impossible. We cannot do it. We cannot live a godly life, a life pleasing to God, if we do not first, in our own privacy of our own heart, have faith in God. Enoch's faith started before he ever went out and preached his first message. I want you to notice here under faith's fundamental, letter A, it's a fundamental demand. The fundamental demand. Notice the Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, It is impossible to please Him. You and I cannot please God. You and I cannot walk with God if we do not walk by faith. You say, Landon, why are we wasting time looking at Hebrews chapter 11? Why are we wasting time talking about faith? I mean, I'm already saved. I'm in in church. I mean, come on now. I mean, let's, let's talk about something really nice and happy and And no conviction here. Come on, let's just be really, really nice about it all. So why are we we taking time to look at faith? 
Because if we don't have faith, we will not please God. It is a fundamental demand from God that if we're going to please Him, if we're going to walk with Him, we must have faith. You know, sometimes that faith is stretched. I don't know about you, but I've had my faith stretched a couple times. There's been some times where my faith, it's been, ooh, Lord, if you, if you don't hold these pieces together, then, then I'm going to come apart. Lord, Lord, my faith, it's, it's getting tested. Lord, Lord, you're pulling on me, on me right now. I'm kind of I'm stretched at the seams, Lord. But you know why God does that? Because the Bible says that the trying of your faith worketh patience. If your faith isn't tested, your faith will never have a testimony before others. If your faith isn't tested and tried, then when others look at you, your faith is just going to be what it was when you first got saved. How many of you, by a show of hands, I think every single hand will go up, have gone through things that have stretched your faith a little bit? I know I, know I have. Why does God want our faith to grow? Why does God want our faith to get stronger? Why does God want us to work out our faith? Because without our faith, it's impossible to please Him. Without faith, we cannot please God. Why, why are you harping on walking by faith? Why are you harping on, harping on faith? Why does it matter? Because I don't know if you but I want to please God. I don't want to just get saved and then just get, get my fire insurance and then just wait until I get to heaven. No, I want to walk with God. I want to know God more. How are we going to do that? We're going to do it by walking with God. And how do we walk with God? We walk by faith. Not only do we see faith's demand, but notice here lastly, faith's uh, it's a fundamental demand, but it is a fundamental diligence. Fundamental diligence. Okay, how does our faith grow? How do we continue to grow in our faith? How does our faith get strengthened? Notice what the Bible says. Verse 6. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What does that mean? What that means is this. Our faith with God, it starts by just saying, God, you are exactly who you say you are. God, you're the creator. God, you're the sustainer. God, you're the one that saves me. You're the one that sanctifies me. You're the one that keeps me safe and secure. We, we just got to come to God and believe that He is. Not that He's this, not that He's that. No, we just believe that He's God. And that He can do whatever He pleases to do. And that He's right. And everything He does, every judgment of God is right. We just believe God. Paul said in Acts chapter, seven, or Acts chapter 27, I believe. Believe God. You want your faith to grow? You want your faith to be strengthened? Just believe God. You say, Landon, that's tough sometimes. Yeah, it is tough because you, you know why? Because it's a walk of faith. We can't see it. We can't see what God's up to. We can't see what God's doing. But I heard something so wonderful. And I, I pray that I'll say it till the day that I die. 
when you cannot trust, when you cannot see God's hand, trust God's heart. You've got to believe that He is. Who is God? He's God. He's right. Whatever He does, it's right. And I just believe God. You know, faith isn't that difficult. Faith is just believing God. Believe in God's who He is, who He says He is, says what He'll do, does what He says. But it says that we diligently seek Him. He's a rewarder. What's the reward? Stronger faith, a closer walk. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. God's not hiding from us. God's not hiding from us. He's not saying, oh, well, I hope your faith grows. Good luck. No, we go to the one who our faith is in and our faith will grow. We see faith's fellowship, faith's testimony, and lastly, faith's fundamental. By way of conclusion today, as we stand with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to read you a quote at the great Puritan-style preacher Jonathan Edwards wrote. In all your course, walk with God and follow Christ as a little, poor, helpless child. Taking hold of Christ's hand, keeping your eye on the mark of the wounds on His hands and side, whence came the blood that cleanses you from sin and hiding your nakedness under the skirt of the white, shining robe of His righteousness. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Bible message. We pray that you've received a blessing and we look forward to being with you again in the future.